this morning. It's good to see you here. Um, we are continuing our series that we started last week called Seven, and it's a series all about temptation and the things that tempt us in life, and we're going to be looking at the seven deadly sins, and so last week we dealt with the issue of greed, and you know, just as we were singing that last song today, uh, the song Son of God, we're talking about that the Son of God has come and forgiven us, and I'm just so thankful that God has forgiven us for the things that we've done in our lives. I don't know about you, but I, I, I've done some stuff in my life that I need some forgiveness for. And I'm just so thankful that God is a forgiving God. And so no matter how tempted that you may be in life, all the things that you may have done, God is a forgiving God and God forgives you. Well, today we're going to continue in this series. And I think there's two types of people in life. There are short-tempered people and there are long-tempered people. The short-tempered people are the people, they get like annoyed and angry really quick and they blow up really quick, but as fast as they blow up, they blow out. And then the long-tempered people, they like just hold it in and hold it in and hold it in and eventually it just comes out in this huge rage and like the whole world knows. How many of you here this morning, you would say that you're like more short-tempered? Wow, like all the girls, isn't that weird? Whoa, how many would say they're long-tempered? Yeah, I'm kind of long-tempered, and so it takes me a long, long time to get annoyed, but when I get annoyed, it takes me a long, long time to come down from being annoyed. Well, this morning, we're going to look at a subject called anger, and anger is something that every one of us deals with. For some, it affects us more than others. But I don't believe it's possible to go through this lifetime without being angry. Well, like I said, there are some people who get more angry than others. And I want to show you a quick clip of someone who gets angry all the time. Watch this. Ease it on someone else. Use your shoulders to push the ball, not your arms. Don't break the wrist and bring that putter back whoa, just whoa, like... You're confusing me. Just let me put the ball in the hole. All right. Oh. 
Second. Good shot. It's about time. Hey, it is about time. I mean, I just couldn't get the ball in the hole. I wanted to, but I just couldn't do it. Some people who just get more angry than others. And I don't know about you, if you've ever played golf, but golf is a pretty angry game. Some people say it's like a nice leisurely stroll. Uh, that, the one place I get really angry is on the golf course. And uh, I'm not sure if I get as angry as happy there. But anger is something that we all deal with. And the reason why I think every one of us deals with anger is because of this one reason. I believe that we as human beings, we are made in the image of God. And as God is a creator, so we are creative people. Some people are more creative than others, but we are creative people. As God is a God of love, so too are we people who love one another or we show love. God is also a God who gets angry. And if God gets angry and we are made in the image of God, then we have the ability to be angry as well. In fact, I'm not sure if you've been around church people too often or you know, like if you like heard one of those old school preachers and they talk about the wrath of God and they like preach the wrath of God and everyone leaves the church like shaking and feeling like they're the worst person in the world because of the wrath of God. But the wrath of God is actually very real. And if God gets angry, then we also have the ability to be angry as well. So it begs the question, if God gets angry and he created us with the ability to be angry, then what on earth is anger doing being called one of the seven deadly sins? Well, I think there's two types of anger. There's what we call righteous anger, and then there is selfish anger. One is good, the other is bad. This week in Washington, D.C., we saw the effects of somebody getting in a rage and getting angry for selfish reasons. We're still not really sure the reason why that, that, that man went into that Navy base and killed those Navy personnel. But all we know is that when people get angry, they can do things that aren't normally in their instinct to do. And anger can be defined like this. Anger can be defined as a strong feeling of displeasure or hostility. It's, it's not just a feeling of, uh, uh, I don't like that. You know, it's not like you go to the snowball stand across the street and you say, hey, give, give me something different. And they give you like some, like, uh, some funny, funky snowball and you eat it and you're like, I don't like that. You don't get angry. You don't tear up and like beat up the snowball stand because of that. It's not that kind of feeling. It's not the the feeling that, uh, oh, that just bothers me. But it's a feeling that 
intensely, get, intensively gets to you and it gets your emotions stirring. Now, before we talk about what we're going to talk about today, and what we're going to talk about is how to win over anger in our lives. But before we, we do that, I want us to define just exactly what righteous anger is so that we can see the difference between selfish anger and righteous anger. Righteous anger is the feeling of anger that motivates you to act upon an injustice, an insult, or wrong. It's the feeling that you must turn something that is bad into good. And, and that is why the Bible talks about the wrath of God. It, it talks about how God is displeased with injustice in this world. How God is affected by insult and how God is moved to turn the wrong things of this life into right. You know, when we sin, God gets angry. But what God does, God just doesn't come into a happy Gilmore and put our shirt over our head and then knock and gives us a, a right hook. But what God does, he moves upon our lives to turn what is bad and wrong into good. And that's motivated by the wrath and the anger of God. You know, there's an example in the Gospels uh, of uh, uh, the first four books of, uh, uh, of the uh, New Testament are called the Gospels. And they're, they're all about the life story of Jesus and what Jesus did when he came to this earth. And there's this story that one day Jesus walked into the temple of God and Jesus starts to get angry. And there's this burst of rage that comes over Jesus. And what he sees, he sees instead of people praying and worshiping God, which the temple was designed for. Instead, he sees people selling and, and buying things, people using others for their own advantage. He sees that people, uh, the tax collectors in there, putting taxes on things and, and, and using the temple of God for what the temple was never made to be. So Jesus, suddenly like this feeling just stirs within him and he gets so angry and he starts turning over tables and he starts shouting and he's saying that my house shall be called a house of prayer, not a den of thieves. And, and Jesus gets angry in this thing. And that is a, an example of righteous anger. Trying to put right what was a wrong. Jesus didn't just go up to one guy and like corner him and then, you know, just stop pushing him and, and get really in his face and get angry. Jesus uses this example to show what was wrong and what should be right. That is what we call righteous anger. Now, some people, they'll take that to an extreme. We got some people who will like go and picket uh, different things and saying like, God hates this, God hates that. That's not righteous anger. That's not turn a wrong into a right. It's trying to get your point of view across. But righteous anger is turning a wrong into a right. Now, selfish anger. Often we think when we get angry, sometimes, and I think Christians are the worst at this, we think that our anger is actually righteous anger, when in all reality, it is selfish anger. And selfish anger is one of the seven deadly sins that we talked about last week. And we must learn how to overcome selfish anger in our lives. And this is why. Psalm 37 and verse 8, it says this, stop angry, turn from your rage, do not lose your temper 
it only leads to harm. So here the psalmist is saying, saying that if you are angry, if you get in a rage and lose your temper, the only thing that it can happen in your life is it will lead to harm in your life. And so if this type of anger, this, this is selfish anger, if it leads to harm, then I want to know how can I refrain from showing this selfish anger? How can I stop this selfish anger come over my life? How can I win against this feeling that, that may come over me once in a while? And, and I'm sure this morning you're not really angry people, you know. I mean, some, some people are just angry people. You meet people, and you're like, man, that's just an angry guy, or that's an angry lady. And, you know, we got names, we can call those people, and we won't do that this morning. But every one of us, anger comes over us once in a while. And I know for myself, I'm not an angry person. I'm not, honestly. But there's sometimes that anger comes over me. And I know it's not righteous anger, it's selfish anger. And I want to know how to overcome it. So this morning, I want to just give you three examples of how you can overcome and win against this selfish type of anger. And the first one is this. You must stay current. You must stay current. If you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25. It says this. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all part of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. And verse 27 says, for anger gives foot a foothold to the devil. And then Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 11, it says, fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. You know, one piece of advice that I got from multiple people before I got married. I got married in 2005, and it's amazing how many people gave me this advice. And this is what they said. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry with your spouse. And I heard it from multiple people. And, and I hear couples saying, yeah, we never go to bed angry with one another. And I'll be honest, I wanna, I'll, be, I'll, I'll, I'll say to them, show me it. Because when you get married, you have this intense feeling towards someone else. And your anger can't just be put to the side. It, like, it goes deep within you, and it's just like this thing that just comes out. And you're like, you show these emotions that you don't normally show. And I'll be honest, I wish I had kept that advice, or I wish I'd followed that advice. And I'll be honest with you this morning, I didn't follow that advice. It was all too easy for me to go to bed mad and have a good night's sleep instead of staying up all night trying to resolve an issue. Because for me, it was... It just took too long to resolve issues. So I, I remember when we first got married, I would just go to bed. I would wake up like nothing happened, and we'd get on with our day. Then a couple of weeks later, the, the issue would come up again, and I would do what Alex does, and I would just go to bed, just ignore it, forget it. And it would just snowball and snowball into these issues. And then like two years later, we like got these huge issues that we're trying to deal with, and it's because I went to bed not resolving issues. And then this is what uh, Paul is saying to the Ephesians. He's saying, don't let the sun go down while you are angry. Don't go to bed while you are angry. And this is why. 
Because if you don't resolve your anger, it's going to end in unresolved issues. And unresolved issues have a habit of letting bitterness just get into your heart. And when there's a little bitterness that comes into your heart, bitterness just grows and it grows and it grows. It spreads and it rots. So this week we went to the supermarket and uh, we're trying to see how much money we could save uh, as, as possible because we're not good shoppers. We'll just get whatever. So we, we, we see these uh, tomatoes and there's like these, there's four tomatoes in a packet and they're a great deal. So we go and we purchase the, the, the tomatoes and we're looking at how much money we saved. And I go home that night and I'm a little hungry. So I decide I want a tomato sandwich. And if you guys have never had a tomato sandwich, it's like you've never lived. These tomato sandwiches are great. Put some like salt and pepper on, wonderful. So, so I'm there and I pull out the first tomato, I wash it and I start to cut it. And as soon as I cut it, it's like there's this big, black, hairy ball inside the tomato. And the tomato is totally rotten. I'm like, so much for our deal, right? And I'm glad I caught that tomato when I did. Because if I'd left that tomato any longer, that what had been rotted on the inside would suddenly start to show on the outside. And then when that starts to show on the outside, it starts to infect the other tomatoes. We've all heard the uh, expression of a bad apple. You know, one apple that goes rotten, it will start to infect the other apples around it. And that's exactly what bitterness will do in your life. It will start on the inside and you may be able to hide it and gloss over it, but eventually it will come up to the outside. And when it comes to the outside, it will start to affect other people around you. That is why Paul says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Resolve the issues before the sun goes down. Anger left untreated grows. And it grows as fast as a weed in the yard or mold in a dark, damp basement. And when anger grows, you will not know how it will affect you until it affects you. Some of you think, well, I can deal with it. I can deal with those issues. I used to think that I could deal with anything. I could just gloss over it, just go on. But the more, the, oh, the older I get, the more I realize I do not know how I am going to react when those unresolved issues start to surface. And sometimes I don't even recognize the way that I react. All I know is that somewhere along the line, if there is anger that is unresolved, it's going to cause damage and destruction along the way. I want to ask you a question this morning. What have you let fester in your life? What issues have you got in your life right now that are left unresolved? Maybe it's issues in your marriage. Maybe it's issues within your extended family. Maybe it's issues at work or issues with your friends or issues with your children. What issues or things have you let fester? And I challenge you today, sort them out. Go resolve those issues. No matter how hard it may be, resolve those issues. Because otherwise, it's going to cause a whole lot more harm than it will good. Just papering over them. Stay current. Second way that we deal with anger or we can win over anger in our lives is this. Deal with the problem. Don't attack the person. Deal with the problem, 
don't attack the person. Romans chapter 12, verse 17 says this. It says, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. And verse 18 says, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Do all you can so you live in peace with everyone. Then Proverbs 15 and verse 1, it says, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. You know, one thing I've realized that relationships are a gift from God. God has given relationships to this world as a gift. The relationships that you have in your life, whether they're, they're, they're marital relationships or they're, they're family relationships or friend relationships, they are a gift from God. But I also believe that there is a force in this world that wants to destroy anything that God has given to mankind. Anything that is holy and righteous, I believe there is a force that wants to destroy that. And I believe that relationships are holy and they're righteous before God. And so if that means there is a force that wants to destroy anything that God has made that is good and right, there is a force that wants to destroy relationships. There is a force that wants to destroy your marriage. There is a a force that wants to break up your family unit. There is a force that laughs when children and parents are are, are not in agreement with each other. There is a force that wants to break up your friendships and those connections that you have. And when problems come our way, that force rears its ugly head. You know, I think, I don't know about you, but I kind of like to play the blame game. I don't mean to play the blame game, but I play the blame game. So often we like a scapegoat. We, we, we sometimes even like to watch people who have done wrong get punished. You know, hundreds of years ago, I'm, I'm from England, and hundreds of years ago in England, they had a practice that when somebody had committed a serious crime, like murder or something like that, that they would bring that person out into the the town square where everybody met. And everybody would gather and they would watch as they would curl, they would hang, chop their head off, do something to take the life of that murderer. And everybody would watch and they would cheer and they would clap. You know, if if there was a thief, they would cut off their hand and everyone would come and they would watch. If someone had maybe done a less serious crime, they would put them in something called the stocks where, where, where their head and their hands would be like chained down to this wood and everyone would throw things at them and everybody loved it. And, and we call this mankind and we love it, you know. And we don't do that anymore. But we kind of do like it when someone who has done wrong is punished for it. However, good anger, righteous anger, does not direct their emotion at individuals, but instead directs their emotion and their motivation towards the problem. When we get angry with individuals, it often results in hatred. We start to hate those individuals. You know, 
when I moved to the United States eight years ago, one of the first things that I realized, I didn't, well, we moved to Missouri. I didn't realize it much in Missouri, but when I moved to, to Maryland, I realized that a thing called racism is still alive and it is going strong in this country. I, I, I was amazed. I'll be honest. I thought this was the land of the free and the brave. But yet, you have people who won't talk to people of different races. They won't do business with people of different races. That you'll have people who, who won't have friendships with, with people of different races. And you know what that is? That's just hatred. Plain hatred. And, and, and so often, anger results in hatred. You know, 60 years ago, somebody who was not of the same color as yourself, you had, society thought you had the right to do what you wanted with that person. You could have people who were dressed in white clothes, uh, white, like all these big white garments, and they would go and they would burn someone's house or they would burn a cross in someone's front yard. That's hatred. That isn't godly. And this is the sort of thing that can happen when we direct ourselves at individuals and not the problem. You've got people right now here in Harford County. They won't even step foot in certain areas of Harford County because they have this anger or hatred towards other people. That's not righteous anger. That's just selfish anger. And when we direct our anger towards the problem instead of the individual, it often results in action against that problem. You know, most issues in our world today are a result of the system that we live in. I'm going to say something very scientific to you this morning. Healthy systems produce healthy people. It's like, that's pretty obvious, right? Healthy systems produce healthy people. If you've got healthy fruit, the seed from that healthy fruit is going to produce more healthy fruit. But if you've got some rotten fruit and you put some seed in the ground, it's not going to produce healthy fruit. Healthy systems produce healthy people. Healthy relationships produce healthy relationships. I believe in the institution of marriage. And this is why I believe in it. Because a healthy marriage produces healthy kids. Unhealthy marriages produce unhealthy kids. There's some times where somebody will come up out of an unhealthy environment and they will be healthy. But that's the exception, not the rule. If you have a healthy marriage, a healthy home environment, the chances are your children are going to grow up and be healthy. But if you come from a a family where it's just dysfunction everywhere, those kids are going to grow up and be dysfunctional. You know, forgiven people are often the first to forgive. Why? Because they're used to a system of being forgiven. You know, when I, when I was a, a late teen, early 20s, you know, I did some pretty foolish things with, with my life. And there was a lot of things in my life I knew that I had to be forgiven for. Forgiven by other people, the way I treated other people, and forgiven by God. I always had to forgive myself for some things. And I find myself that I find that I forgive pretty easy right now. And the reason is, is because I know that I've been forgiven so much. And so in my, in my marriage with my wife, 
If she does something wrong, I'm like, okay, that's fine. I forgive you. But my wife, bless her, she did nothing wrong in her life. She was like the model church girl. You know, she'd sit on the front row. She would sing at her dad's church. You know, she would go here and there. She never did anything wrong. You know, she never drank any alcohol, smoked anything, never had any relationships with people she shouldn't have relationships with. And totally the opposite to how I was. She has nothing to be forgiven for. I'm like, when you talk about grace, I'm like, she doesn't need grace. She just needs like a gold star. But in our relationship, if I do something wrong, it takes her a whole lot longer to forgive. Do you know why? Because she's not used to be receiving forgiveness because she hasn't needed it as much. But me, I've needed it a whole lot more. So I pour it out because the system that I've grown up in, I needed a lot more forgiveness for. And the system that we are used to is the system that we will produce. And I ask you today, what kind of system are you creating at home? Are you creating a system where there's unresolved issues? Your kids are going to grow up and they're going to realize that we don't have to resolve issues. Are you creating a system at home where, where you're getting angry and you lash out and you have a rage and you have a temper towards other people? Your kids are going to see that. Are you creating a, a, a system within your marriage where, 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 where there's just issues and you're just fighting all the time and you slam doors and, and you, know, you walk out the house without doing anything at all? That's just going to produce more unhealth. Instead of attacking the person, deal with the problem. Deal with the problem. So we stay current. We deal with the problem. We don't attack individuals. And then finally today, the last thing that we must do to overcome anger, selfish anger in our lives is act and don't react. Act, don't react. This is the hardest thing I think to do. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 31 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil words or evil behavior. Instead, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So when someone does wrong towards you, here Paul is saying to the Ephesians, he's saying, don't get angry. Show love towards them instead. Then Proverbs chapter 14, verse 29. It says, People with understanding control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. People with understanding control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. Most of the time we display anger in a reaction to what someone has done to us. You know, reactions are natural. We all react. We all have reflexes. You know, if, if, if I come to you and, you know, I try to punch you in the face, you're going to react. You're not going to just let me punch you in the face. You're going to react to that. It's a reflex. And the same with our emotions as well. We have reactions as a, a defense system against getting hurt. And so often, 
At times, our defense system kicks in before our mind has really had a chance to think about it. I think my two favorite phrases in my house are this. No, I didn't. Or, it wasn't me. And then the reply is, well, if it wasn't you, who was it then? So often, that's our defense system. I'm sure many of you, when someone accuses you of something, you're like, no, I didn't. Before you even had a chance to think about it. it. It wasn't me. That's your defense system. However, one thing I've re- realized, reactions never solve problems. But action always does solve problems. Reactions are a result of the environment that you are in. But action seeks to change the environment. Reactions often bring about pain and hurt that we did not intend to inflict on someone else. But action brings healing. So I ask you today, are you a reactor or a proactor? A reactor or a proactor? Are you defined by reaction or are you someone who takes proaction? The reactor often finds it hard not to get angry. Anger becomes part of our our defense mechanism. And so often it hurts other people. You know, if someone says something bad to me, my natural reaction is to say something bad back to them. Instead of taking in and trying to understand what that person is saying, my natural defense system reacts. And the things that you are reacting to, is it something that you could right now take proaction in so you, you wouldn't have to deal with that? Maybe it's unresolved issues that you have that you keep reacting and reacting to, but really you should take proaction against it. When there is an issue, don't just react to it, but take a moment, take a step back, depersonalize yourself from it, and then act to overcome that issue. That's godly anger. That's godly anger. You know, when you sin against God, God doesn't react and call you names and say this and that. He doesn't slam doors and walk out the house. Do you know what God does? He takes a step back. He pours out his love upon you. And then he tries to deal with the areas that are causing that pain. And that's what we should do in our relationships and our lives. And this morning you may come into my house and say, Alex, you don't do any of this stuff. Do you know why? Because I'm human. Because this natural tendency to have this selfish anger keeps coming out time and time again. But if we stay current, and we don't let things fester. If we deal with the problem instead of attacking other people. And if we just act and don't react, stop ourselves from reacting. Bite your tongue as much as you can. It's going to help you in the long run. You know, anger has the ability to make us do things we wouldn't normally do. It also has the ability to break up relationships. It also has the ability to turn into bitterness. And bitterness always rots and destroys. But not all anger is bad. But anger that comes out of hatred is bad. Anger that comes out of selfish ambition bad. And I tell you this morning, if you can't control your anger, then you have bad anger. 
If you can't depersonalize yourself when you're getting angry, then you've got bad anger. If you can't stop reacting when someone does something to you, then you have bad anger. And instead of being angry, turn that wrath, turn that, uh, that, that, that anger, that those emotions that you, are, that you are feeling, turn them into motivation to do good. Use it to turn your marriage from just an average marriage or an unhealthy marriage into a healthy marriage. Use it to show your friends and your neighbors that as you have been forgiven, you can forgive others as well. Use it to show your children that there is a way that we can control our emotions. Use that that, that energy that you feel to right the wrongs and love other people. Turn from anger and rage and instead, Put your trust in the Lord and watch how God just pours out his blessings on you as you control your selfish anger. Let's bow our heads in prayer.